Hey, this is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Diddleman, and welcome to Mind Over Magic. First episode of 2021, am I right? Yeah, well, technically the first one came out on January 1st, but yeah, we're in 2021 now, and it's been a weird year. Five or six good days, and then and then the crazy events at the Capitol happened. But we're here, and we have lots of other things to talk about on the positive side. Yeah, absolutely, but I feel like we should address, because we are uh, recording literally the day after all the craziness that happened. I'm sure a lot of you were glued to the TVs like we were. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to dwell on it too much because that's, let's be honest, our listeners aren't here to get our political hot takes on uh, what's happening in the country. But of I course, hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I are. really hope that you have other sources to go to than, than <laughs> Matt and Eric for that. Right, right. But yeah, it was just bizarre to, to watch everything go down and uh, to see, you know, like storming the Capitol and uh it's a, it's a wild time and you know it's uh hopefully things get better and we get reunited as a country um it's madness i mean i had a chain of text messages with friends kind of going throughout all of it just kind of mm-hmm. trying to understand it getting people's different opinions and their their hot takes on it because that's what we do uh, i was glued to the tv i'm almost embarrassed to say it for like what felt like the whole day and even into the night um did they finish at like three in the morning? I actually haven't checked into it since I got up today. Yeah, I, I, I believe it is confirmed they were they were late uh, to, to make sure that process was uh, finished to uh, certify the Electoral College votes. Uh, because, uh, you know, I was surprised that they even went back uh, to, to finish uh, after that and to make sure that it was safe enough. It's just uh, it was just all craziness. And uh, I mean, heroic. Again, to yeah. just jump back in and continue, actually, <laughs> to get to get the job done, yeah, for sure. Uh, to not be deterred by the uh, the craziness. Uh, I know things need to be done a certain way mm-hmm. when you're doing something serious, like certifying a vote. Yeah, but the thing that, like, I think when I went to bed, they were still debating Pennsylvania. Yeah, as to uh, whether or not to accept the objections. Again, uh, uh, this is all secondhand of stuff that I've been following and researching, but like some. It's, it's supposed to be kind of like kabuki theater because there's not a lot that can be done, but the the protesting is kind of uh, 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 rejecting on the floor of the, the certification vote is just like for the constituents and just to kind of have that real. But uh, obviously we can see that if you're uh, constantly feeding an information of misinformation to a certain amount of people, it's going to have consequences as well. And I, I think it w- became a little bit more than kabuki theater, even after, you know, <laughs> uh, the the events happened yesterday. So, Well, that's enough jabs at Jeff McBride, all right? Already two references, <laughs> jabs at kabuki theater. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> but, but what shocked me, and I guess it just reminds me of the legal system in general, it's like, it, it's... When you're in a situation, and maybe I'm stepping out of line here, but like when you're in a situation where even if you did turn around one of the state's results, like it doesn't affect the outcome. Right. It's yeah. just a colossal waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 weird when you you start to agree with, uh, you know, maybe a little too late, but some of these Republican senators who did come around and be like, all right, we need to, you know, just get this done and, you know, not dwell on it too long. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. Uh, I, it, I, go ahead. 
No, I mean, it's crazy to me, like the vice president, and then this probably happens every every election. And I just it's not something the American people normally knew about, mm-hmm. but like sits there and goes through every single state and approves it. It almost seems like something like an unpaid intern would do. It takes <laughs> yeah. so long. I'm sitting there on my couch watching it and I'm like, oh, my God, this yeah. is like craziness. Like it, it, it just it just blew my mind with with the, the whole process and i understand it needs to be done a certain way to to make it official but right. the time it took was uh jarring to me yeah i'll say that could be a silver lining is that uh the american people definitely know the electoral college process now <laughs> of right. how, how elections are run uh and in the, in the process of certifying like i didn't know june 6th was an important date you know before this election <laughs> in terms of you know making sure that those electors votes are certified you know i just was like all right it's kind of been decided and yada 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 you get to the inauguration somehow but uh now i know every single step along the way now just now just in clear voice i'll leave silence for a second just say january 6th can you do that for me go ahead january 6th now you can edit that in because you said june and no one will ever know oh okay great (laughs) (laughs) did i really say june I think so. And oh, if and I if and if I'm fast. wrong, then you just take out this whole section, which you're not going to take any of this out. No. So it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much effort. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing is, you know, just kind of what led to all of this. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole dynamics. And again, uh, but uh, there is something about how this can maybe tie into our profession a little bit, because. Uh, just just the, the, the constant feeding of misinformation about the election fraud. I mean, as as the as the majority leader said, you know, he had his day in court. He can follow the um, the the processes in place if he wanted to contest the election. But the fact that there was no evidence on any step of the way in any of the courts that proved any of these allegations uh, and to continue to lie that this was like a stolen election, I think is um is is a type of lie that is the harmful kind of lie compared to you know in our business where we're dealing with lies uh constantly for the sake of entertainment uh i just think there's an interesting um juxtaposition to the use of lying in that way yeah it just depends on if you know you're being lied to but let me ask you this Mm -hmm. if someone doesn't know they're being lied to is all misinformation harmful in other words is the idea of a white lie a myth or mm. does it exist? Mm. Yeah, that's a tough question. I think it's all context based, right? You know, well, if I tell yeah. you your outfit looks great, uh, maybe I'm doing that to, uh, you know, save hurting your feelings and uh, <laughs> to spare how I really think about your uh, hoodie or whatever. Uh, this is not a, a accurate one. I like your hoodie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, but, uh, maybe it's better that you tell me the truth so I don't leave the house with it on. Who knows? Yeah, I, don't yeah. know. I don't like, know. Like, there are people who argue that someone who is a, a phony psychic mm-hmm. is not doing any wrong because they're giving their clients comfort. They're consoling their clients by telling them that they're talking to their dead relative and so on. Um, I would argue, of course, that that is harmful misinformation. I think you would agree. 
Yeah, yeah. And I and I know there's people who are still like, well, I'm giving them good advice, but it's like when it's tainted with a supernatural element that they're buying into, I think that is where things get ethically um, inaccurate and ethically harmful. So you say there are white lies. I I think I, I think it depends on the situation. Um, but they do exist. Yeah, for sure. Okay. okay. And I think you know, again, what we're doing, you know, as entertainers is we are providing uh, that idea of that uh, the audience is consenting to be lied to. Like, they're either aware. But do you think every audience is aware when they come to see our show um, that they are, uh, you know, maybe they are bought into uh, a mind, I'm really reading your minds uh, for, for, you know, on that level, or you even have magical powers, even despite us telling them to the contrary? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, so they're not consenting to being lied to because they believe it. And is that wrong? Is it our duty to, ju- uh, to rectify that? That's the, look other at the thing. result. Yeah. You know, look what we're, where, where we are now. It's like, what is, what is this all coming to a head? I guess it's all coming to a head. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think it's hard to counteract it too, because again, uh, in the situation going on in the country, there's a lot of people who feel like they're doing the research to fight the misinterpretation, but the biases and the, the cherry picking of facts and the uh, conflating ideas into conspiracy theories is not the right way to go about critically thinking. Um, and then that compared to, again, our side of the, 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 the lying <laughs> divide <laughs> where we're doing it, trying to do it ethically for entertainment's sake, it's the people who are willing to suspend that disbelief of, uh, you know, for a moment for the sake of entertainment. I think it's a I think it's an interesting distinction to make for sure. And I always try to be aware of how much we don't know and like how much our own mind plays tricks on us mm-hmm. and how much our perspective is filtered through our own point of view. We all we all have biases and, and a lot of them we don't even realize from right. a psychological standpoint that's pretty deep rooted. Um, I got a book recently and I haven't read it yet. I, I think it kind of speaks on this topic, though. It's called Strangers to Ourselves or something of that nature. And it's about like how much we don't even realize what we do and don't know about why we think the things that we do think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be. That's. I mean, that was also you know during the uh, the protests of the summer, just to trying to wake a lot of people up to the biases we have when it comes to the 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 Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. And it's it's tough, especially when it's so ingrained. You know, it's that whole you can't see the forest from the trees kind of thing when you've only been in the trees your whole life. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know where we go from here. Uh, hopefully, well, I'm happy you were making light of it on Twitter. With yeah, your, with your jokes and commentary, because I needed definitely could use the smile yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's how I cope. Is uh, I try to try to make light of the situation, not to lessen it, uh, because it's just uh, you know my own nervousness and anxieties about it too. It just manifests fest that way. If I can put it in a light where I can laugh at it and. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to check those out, you can go to my Twitter feed at E. Diddleman um, to see me kind of commenting in real time to the situations that were going on, for sure. And you saw when, when the, the rioters actually got into the building? Yeah. For, like, the whole beginning part of that, of them getting access to the building, 
I don't want to poke too much fun here. Obviously, I, I believe there were four deaths. One of them was from a gunshot, and the other were from injuries that died later. Did you, were you aware of that? I only knew about the one. Again, I haven't yeah. really checked much of the news today. I think there were four total. One happened to be from like an actual gunshot. Yeah. But when they first broke in, they were like staying within the stanchions. That was, yeah, that was my thing that it was so crazy. And I was like, they're storming this Capitol to try and make a point, but they're these stanchions in statuary hall are there so that people like, you know, can just follow in an orderly fashion. And the, the juxtaposition of the chaos and then the orderliness of them still following those, those obligate, like uh, just, uh, you know, um, those rules that are in place. <laughs> yeah, like like broke down metal barricades. Yeah, <laughs> broke through glass, broke down doors <laughs> to get in the building, and then the easiest little rope to move, which is like equivalent to like yeah. the little ropes you see outside of a, a nightclub that you just you know the the security guard can move at will when he wants to right. let somebody <laughs> in. No, we're not going to knock those down. We're going to make sure we stay right in line with those. Yeah. That This is where we draw the line. We're not going to push those over. Yeah. Yeah, I found some humor in that for sure. <laughs> it's very, very strange. Very strange. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, work we have to do as a country to heal and come together. And uh, uh, interesting to see how that's going to It's not going to be perfect, but there's nowhere mm-hmm. to go except to get better. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So. That's true. But uh, I think think that's enough of our political commentary on the subject. 100%. Probably too much. <laughs> too I would suggest much. we just edit that out and let's start yeah. the episode now. Yeah. Hey, this is Matt Franco. <laughs> and if we do have to edit out, I think June 6th, I was thinking of, because that's my bar mitzvah day. <laughs> if June I did, 6th? If I did say June 6th, it's probably because I was like subconsciously thinking of my bar mitzvah, maybe. Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to go back to a better time, a simpler time. Yeah, yeah. when I was just lighting <laughs> candles and <laughs> getting lifted in a chair. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's uh, plug. You were. Uh, this is going to be a weird transition. <laughs> let's uh, let's plug. You were just on uh, my, our friend Michael Kent's uh, little live stream show, Joke Story Trick. Uh, what a sh- fun thing he does there. Yeah, it is fun. We've both been guests, and uh, you were a big get, I know, for him. He was happy about that uh, to promote you. And uh, and you did. Uh, you told a joke, you you told a story, and you told a trick. That's right. Or told a trick, did a trick. Did a trick. <laughs> I did yeah. the trifecta. You did the trifecta. So uh, if people want to check that out, we'll link it in the uh the show notes here uh but uh the story you told is one of the the most hilarious uh uh where you uh accidentally bring up a uh, famous magician's son up on stage without meaning to do so but uh yes i'll, I'll let I, rather than recap it here i'll let you click on the link and check it out please yep yep we'll save that for uh for those who want to get the uh, the full effect of it by clicking on that and listening to it it is it is a hell of a story yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, let's see. This has been an interesting week. Uh, we both kind of did something interesting uh, where we uh, we did another live stream together uh, just as uh, audience members uh, because uh, uh, when was this, last Saturday or so? Uh, we, yeah, it was Saturday, the whole day, pretty much. Yeah, we, uh, a, a, a mutual friend of ours, acquaintance in the, uh, in the magic uh, community, had the idea to marathon the uh, world's greatest magic specials that what came out in the 90s 
94 through 98, so there were five specials over that span of years. The night before Thanksgiving each year, there would be a two-hour special loaded with celebrities of the time. There would be a celebrity host, either Robert Urich or John Ritter, Alan Thicke. And uh, they would have about 20 magicians on per special. And these were instrumental in my formative years of becoming a magician. And it's not I'm not alone in that. Clearly, right. there are many magicians that this was uh, a very influential thing. And it was an interesting time because magic at this time was really experienced by the home viewer as opposed to the sort of voyeuristic thing now where we're watching magicians watch magic we're watching audience members watch magic does that make sense yeah the sort of whole turn the camera on the audience member it's almost like we're not really experiencing the trick now with magic on tv we're watching someone else enjoy the trick absolutely this this was a different time when we were experiencing it directly yeah this was before the whole street magic phase of uh you know kind of doing guerrilla style magic and these were all stage performances mixed up with some close-up performances you get the mac king school of magic where he teaches a magic trick uh but i gotta say it was a lot of fun watching and revisiting all of these specials with a group of magicians who are all commenting and making snide comments and remarks and and also the joy of remembering you know these moments and people being like this act was amazing and everything like that uh i would say there was probably about like um, about a hundred magicians that probably watched coming in and out uh, throughout yes. the day, and uh, maybe more. Uh, but it was nice, kind of a uh, um, just the commentary was hilarious. It was very mystery science theater style as we watched these. Well, it, were you on the Zoom at all? Did you know there was a Zoom going on? No, I wasn't on the Zoom. I was just uh, in the comments making. Were uh, you aware jokes. of the Zoom? I knew there was a Zoom happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it till towards the end, so I just clicked to jump in it, and I jumped in the Zoom. Oh, fun. <laughs> I was having a ball on there. That's, That's why great. I slowed down. I wasn't in the comments as yeah. much because I was in the Zoom. <laughs> yeah, and I got to say to our listeners here, um, for those of you who don't know Matt and his relationship with these specials, uh, that was definitely a highlight in these in this commentary. Again, uh, I, I, would, I would recommend people to check it out, but it was in a closed magic group, so you probably aren't going to find it unless you're a magician and already part of that group. But, uh, but Matt was dropping all of these little tidbits of factoids that he just knows. Matt is like the encyclopedia. He's the Wikipedia for World's Greatest Magic. Like, yeah. Uh, that's that's something I've known about you since we met. I remember just like calling out random trivia and just, just testing your knowledge. I know we've done that with a couple of our magic friends just to see if you could get stumped. And I don't. I think you could do it word for word, like all five specials. <laughs> like I think you could mouth along with all of these. So hey, I, uh, I I I jumped in the Zoom and I and I was in a little bit. You know how in Zoom you can create different side rooms and things. Yeah, yeah, little breakouts. There was a little breakout room with a a small group of maybe five of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Towards the end, like I said, the whole time I had no idea there was a Zoom. Yeah. But we hopped on the Zoom, and I actually uh, felt comfortable enough to tell the story of how you and I met. Oh, really? (laughs) I did. I did. Okay. Uh, (laughs) And there was a reason it came up, of course. I didn't just bring it up on my own. Yeah. But another name came up. Gotcha. And based on the tone, I thought, this is a good place for this story. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's very funny that's oh yeah. that's good uh what were your takeaways of revisiting these those because i i gotta admit like 
when I watched these again, it's I think I probably hadn't seen them since I was a kid. I mm-hmm. you know really forgot most of it. It was interesting to see some of these quote celebrities that they had on, you know, there's some real D-listers that popped up for for teacher trick segments. Um and then some people who've got onto amazing things like there's a young um what's her Abigail Breslin, you know. Is that her name? I think so. No. No. I don't know that name. She was the Which young one? girl in the pool uh that oh, yeah, yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. And then she she's become a movie star and is in a lot of movies now. Uh they had Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV and yes. a bunch of stuff as well. It's just I had no clue. I really forgot a lot of the uh the really amazing moments as well as the amazing magic of course that I was just like, "Oh, yeah, this is this is legendary uh stuff being performed." A lot of it holds up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. including um, like memorable performances from you know your mentor. Uh, obviously, Jeff McBride's piece is famous on those specials. Totally, a lot of the bird acts were amazing. Yeah, the manipulation stuff. I think you tend to really focus on, especially formative for you in influencing your manipulation. Um, you know, act as well as you grew up. Definitely. The comedic performers, a lot mm-hmm. were outstanding, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just just really uh, great, great specials. But it's funny hearing what it was like for you to revisit it. For me, it was less of a revisit. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was just like a little bit of a replay of what's already in my head because yeah. <laughs> it's so drilled in there. <laughs> yeah, for me, I was trying to, I always try to look for the mentalism stuff. And of course, Max Ma- uh, Maven doing all the interactive pieces throughout. Uh, was just incredible to watch and to see, you know, I remember going up as a kid to the TV screen and doing those touch along, follow along and him reading my mind through the television, often blocking the screen for the rest of my family (laughs) who couldn't couldn't see. Uh, But that, I guess that's really formative. And then to see how that's evolved now into these Zoom shows and these virtual shows that people are doing, uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, and the other weird thing I thought was in the fifth special, this just popped out to me, was they had the uh, uh, the amazing The Evisons, which are so good, two-person uh, mentalism act, mind readers. Uh, and uh, they're just so good. You've probably seen their Fool Us or, or any of their other uh, clips, and they always wow. If you ever get a chance to see them live, I recommend it. But then in the same episode, they'd kind of have a parody act that's the same kind of concept. And I was like... I thought it was brilliant, actually. What a strange... (laughs) I thought it was strange to have them juxtaposed. The the Peter Gossamer parody act only works for a lay (laughs) audience, really. I mean, it works a lot better for Mm -hmm. a lay television audience uh, if if they saw the Evisons first. That Peter Gossamer act was probably a magic convention thing. But it yeah. worked great for lay audiences following the Evisons. And I don't think it disparages the Evisons at all. I think it makes it all the more amazing, personally. But that's just my take on it. Perhaps. But I think you have to have a little magic knowledge uh, to get it. And I think the worrisome part for me is that it, it or maybe just because I'm on the inside here, but I think yeah. it kind of points a little bit to, towards method. No, no. See, I think it I'm makes it seem what the lay person reaction to it is. I don't. Know. I know the lay reaction because I watched it with my family as a kid. Yeah. And for them, it was all about the jokes. You know, what's mm-hmm. the denomination of this quarter? Presbyterian. And all yeah, that stuff yeah. got big laughs from my family. I remember watching it with my grandma particularly, and all those things got huge laughs. And she had no magic knowledge or anything. So, <laughs> it, it to me, it was 
him and her that were the characters that were that really made it funny and the yeah. delivery was was really really good peter gossamer is still around by the way oh really yeah he had a residency show in in south carolina that um some of the uh, at least my friend christian and scooby who you saw opium in opium with me mm-hmm. was in in the show in south carolina just a couple of years back oh wow uh, myrtle beach yeah by the way, I love that you could you just went into the act and I, like I said, you could probably mouth the whole specials, <laughs> like you know every single word. <laughs> I mean, the joke's great. What's the denomination of this quarter? Twenty five cents. I mean, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> but it's interesting to see magicians take because a lot of the magicians in the chat were kind of saying there was a mix of people saying what I'm saying and then there was a mix yeah. of people saying what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So well, I'm glad different we takes. can. Uh, fight it out here on the podcast <laughs> absolutely oh and did you know the story already about uh david williamson's volunteer michelle did no. you know this you gotta tell it here on the podcast because that's amazing so these specials as you could tell uh, were prolific for me so even the audience volunteers that were brought up to participate are like celebrities to me growing up and just to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> and some other magicians yeah, and other magicians <clears throat> Uh, so uh, one of my favorite magicians of all time, one of my favorite people, David Williamson, used a, one of his volunteers. Her name was Michelle, and she had a fairly prominent role on the show. Mm-hmm. So I remember her very, very vividly. And however, uh, so when I took all my old VHS tapes and had them converted to digital so that I could preserve them forever, because I've watched them so many times over the years, they started to get ruined. So I digitized everything. And as I was going over the digitized footage to make sure everything transferred okay, my wife comes into the room and she says, oh my God, Matt, that's Michelle. (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, that's Michelle. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, that woman on TV, she runs your box office at the link. <laughs> that's wild. And I'm like, no way, that's Michelle. <laughs> and she's like, yes, that's Michelle. I'm like, oh, my God, that has to be Michelle. So going to work that day, and we bring Michelle backstage, and I say, Michelle, <laughs> have you ever been on television? And it, her reaction was kind of funny because she's like, oh, yeah, I was like an extra in 90210 back in you know 93 and then i also right. did this thing here and, th- and i'm like no 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 okay were you ever part of a magic show on tv and she's like oh yeah it filmed at caesar's palace i've never actually seen it but i remember when it came on my family called me you know in texas and they saw and i'm like and i showed her the clip and she could not believe it she's like oh my god i still have that dress but the fact that i didn't realize it immediately because she looks exactly the same that's awesome it was like that's she hadn't so aged a day in 20 years. I'm like, oh, my God, I I can't believe you're Michelle. But talk about full circle. What a weird thing right. to happen, like, in my life to, like, she doesn't just work, like, at Flamingo. or right. ha- No, she runs the Link box office <laughs> <Yeah>. every day. <laughs> Did you ask you for know? her autograph? I should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just amazing. What a crazy that's full a circle story. Yeah, but but Vegas is a small community. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah, the fact that this was filmed like in the 90s and, you know, that Vegas community that's involved in magic or even just Caesars and they stick around and, you know. Because I think people, especially in Vegas, people think, you know, it's a, such a touristy town. People are always like in and out, in and out. Like you don't think of all the people who stick around for all those years of the, the locals and stuff like that. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, getting inside baseball here, one of the performers, Brett Daniels, 
his assistant is Kyle Knight. Kyle and Misty Knight are magicians, a duo. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Kyle. <laughs> like, also hasn't aged in 25 years somehow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, crazy that they – so there were even things for me, like, going back in, in recent mm-hmm. years where I've noticed things that I wouldn't have been able to notice back then, kind of like watching a movie that you see 20 years later and the jokes are different. Like, Oh, I didn't get that when I was right. a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a blast. And I, hopefully we'll do more of those too. Uh, there was talk about doing like, uh, the Copperfield specials or the Lance Burton specials or some of these other things that we grew up watching. Um, it would be fun to revisit and see how things hold up and change and see them in the current light for sure. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. Uh, so this is now a World's Greatest Magic uh, podcast as well. Uh, so if you have any questions or want to try and stump Matt on trivia for that, uh, I don't think you would be able to. But uh, <laughs> but but we should also talk about the uh, the other reason why people are tuning in because of the other thing we focus on on this podcast. And I, I it, was, it was wild getting a text from both you and my brother uh, on January first. <laughs> <laughs> The day that Cobra Kai season three was released and you both saying, oh, we already finished. And I was like, what? (laughs) So speaking of marathons, uh, you marathoned the whole Cobra Kai season in a day. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And you're wearing a shirt now from that season. Already wearing (laughs) official merchandise. (laughs) It took me a couple more days than you, but I did finish season three and I enjoyed it a lot. It was great fun great fun hell of a show yeah i don't think we're gonna spoil um you know anything because i don't assume most people binged it all in a day like super fans (laughs) we are um but uh but i definitely recommend if you check it out uh you'll have a good time it's funny uh my brother was saying he and he and my sister-in-law were like why can't the writers just write for all TV shows—they're doing such a good job <laughs> rebooting this and like seriously touching on all the nostalgia. There's elements, you know, from Karate Kid Two, Karate Kid Three, all the Karate Kids. It's amazing. It's really Karate really Kid well One. Done. Yeah, it's like so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's overwhelming for me. I go between like holding back happy tears and and like uh, laughing. Yeah, yeah, just. It is funny. It's light. It also doesn't take itself too seriously. It like has the tone perfectly down. It knows what it is. Yeah, it knows exactly what it is. And I think that's that's a lesson for us performers too, because we see that all the time, and not just in our field, in any performance field. I think of uh, people who are trying to put out a character, unless it's like a specific decision to do a character, uh, but they're trying to do a version of themselves that isn't self-aware of what they're putting out there (laughs) great point yeah being self-aware as an individual performer is just as important as being self-aware as the entity of a television series it's so true yeah because i mean especially we see it in the magic world a lot of like these uh these performers who were you know young hip and cool at one moment and now have aged out of that character but are still trying to you know wear the leather pants we saw that a lot in the world's greatest magic special too or whatever and it's like all right you gotta know now you used to be able to pull that off but now maybe not as much anymore you know that kind of thing so uh, right being aware and uh, and knowing knowing yourself, I think that's important. Totally, totally true. But yeah, it was a great series. I loved watching it. Highly recommended. And I guess they start shooting season four this month, actually. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Again, without spoiling things, this was such a buildup season two that I'm like really pumped for season four now. I'm so pumped. <laughs> so pumped. I mean, they just, they teed it up perfectly where it's like, all right, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. They they introduced like this this tease for season four and like towards the end of the season. And I was like, oh no, I hope they're not going to just jam this all in like the last couple episodes. And I'm so glad they didn't. Uh, right. And then, yeah, now I'm really excited uh, to see where this goes and develops. So Fantastic. Uh, but that's not the only show I watched. I've been busy. Well, I've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, setting up the apartment and getting, getting uh, things unpacked. But in the, the downtime, I also watched another show that I'm going to recommend to you because I don't think you've seen this. But it might sh- have shot up to like one of my favorite shows now. And that is a show called Ted Lasso. Do you know anything about the show? No. What is it on? It's on Apple TV+. Plus. You have which- that? I do. Yeah. I didn't I, know anybody had that. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have it because I think they were doing some deal at, at one time where you could like get a few years for really cheap. Uh, well, it's free for uh, maybe a few months or something, but I yeah. don't want to sign up because then I forget to delete it. And, you know, I will tell you it is worth watching uh, or even paying the subscription just for this show. I think so highly of this show. Uh, it is uh, Jason Sudeikis. I like him. Yeah. He's a, uh, a, a college football coach that uh, goes across the pond and starts teaching uh, or coaching um, soccer, or as they call it, football, uh, there. And he has no uh, experience and barely knows the game. <laughs> uh, but, like, these huge, you know, professional, you know, uh, major league soccer clubs that they have in uh, England, and he's the head coach and thrown in. And uh, I'm not a huge soccer fan, I'm going to be honest, but I loved this show mostly because of just the characters are so amazing he is so there's so much positivity he uh, it's interesting to see a lot of comedies where there's you know comedians tend to punch down or like do self-deprecating humor or there's like a mean spirit kind of subtext behind a lot of it but it's so nice and refreshing to see this um this positivity as this character it reminded me of uh i know you're a big veep you watch some veep right no. No, you didn't. Okay, maybe that mm-hmm. was someone else. But there's a mm-hmm. character in the later seasons uh, uh, played by Sam Richardson called Richard Splett that's kind of similar in terms of the positivity is what that character is all about. So they can always find the bright side of things, and they're just, like, chipper all the time. And there's something just, like I said, refreshing to see on television because it's so different than what else is out there. What's the reason he goes there to coach if he doesn't know anything about soccer? I mean, it's explored in the show, man. Oh, okay. okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but it's also, at first, you're like, oh, he's just a go-getter, fun, uplifting guy. He's like, yeah, it's a challenge. I'll just give it a go. You know? <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, Jason Sudeikis is great. I think I'm picturing the right guy. Yeah. Uh, is he the one that's in, um, is he in the role models or is that a different guy? Role models. Uh, it's been a while since I said that. Um, uh, who's, pa- in, who's in Paul the Rudd? one? Are you thinking Paul, Paul Rudd? Rudd? Who's the one? Okay, Jason Sudeikis. Is he the one with Mila Kunis? And um, they go to an island or something. What's the name of that movie? Oh, I don't know. You don't, you know what I'm talking about? No. There's maybe Kristen Bell or something, and, and Mila Kunis. Retreat? No, that's that's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. This is gonna kill me if I can't think of the movie <laughs> with Mila Kunis, where like she works at the resort. 
Oh, you're th- oh, th- you're talking about one of my favorite movies, Sarah- Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, is that Jason? No, Sudeikis? that's Jason Segel. Oh, so close. Oh, I, I know Jason Sudeikis. Who is it? <laughs> he was a writer and then became a cast member on SNL. And then he's give me a movie a that of, he's in. A ton of movies. Uh, oh, off the top of my head, I can't think of. Anything I'm really disappointed been. that you'd have to make a Google on this. Come on. <laughs> I, he's not really the star in a lot of things. That's oh, but I know I know the name and I know that I like him. And I can, I'm uh, picturing Paul Rudd and then uh, Jason Segel for some he, reason. He was married to Olivia Wilde. Um, no, I don't know. He, oh, Horrible Bosses, of course. Okay, that I've seen, but I thought that was Steve Carell. Uh, no. Oh, that's, that's Date Night or something. <laughs> How about We're the Millers? Yeah, I think I've seen all of these, and I still can't pick. I guess this could all be solved with a Google. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's best known for Saturday Night Live, probably. But, uh, but I'm yeah. gonna do a Google. <laughs> uh, so just uh, excuse my clicks that my microphone are gonna pick up here. <laughs> That's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, I love that we're just hashing this out. We're googling down now. Oh, podcast. he's in everything. He's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Though I, I feel like he is like Paul Rudd and Jason Segel. He's just all of them. He's he, he's got it all. He's uh, got a little connection to the magic world too. I'm not aware of that. Yeah. He uh, well, even uh, he shows a little sleight of hand in uh, Ted Lasso for like one quick scene uh, for a joke, but. Uh, uh, he's also been featured and is friends with Darren Brown. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I can't, I don't want to go in case Darren decides to do a show, but he was an element of, uh, of his Broadway show. Oh, when, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I won't say any more on that. Uh, but yeah, definitely check this out. Cause it's, uh, again, like I said, one of my favorite shows for sure. And I think you'll enjoy it. And I think it's, especially with uh, as we open the episode with craziness going on in the world, just having something that's so heartfelt and positive. Uh, I mean, I was tearing up at times, uh, but then just like just enjoying how wonderful uh, and emotional and and optimistic that show is. So check it out. Yeah, we'll do. No, I like that. But then I got to sign up for the Apple TV thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a free trial, man. Just do it. But uh, We're in a pandemic. <laughs> I think uh, we should just move on to uh, time for Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, Matt, you ready for your riddle? I am. This is a oldie but goodie and i really hope you haven't heard this one uh but again if it's a short riddle this week that's fine by me (laughs) Uh, a man rode out of town on sunday he stayed a whole night at a hotel and rode back to town the next day on sunday how is this possible let's hear it again you want to hear it again (laughs) This sounds like you, I feel like you've done this one on the show, but no, it's not I, the same. I, no, I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah. A man rode out of town on Sunday. He stayed a whole night at a hotel and rode back to town the next day on Sunday. How is this possible? Also, if I have done it on the show, uh, I would expect you to know the answer. <laughs> uh, I feel like there was something about this, and like, but the answer was night was K-N-I-G-H-T. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So a man rode into town on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Stayed overnight. Stayed a whole night. Stayed a whole night. Does that change the riddle if I say stayed overnight? No. Okay. Stayed overnight. At a hotel. At a hotel. 
and rode back to town the next day on Sunday. How is this possible? Rode back to town. But he just came into town. Yes. Now he's going back to town? Uh, man rode out of town on Sunday. He stayed out the whole night at a hotel. Rode back to town the next day on Sunday. How is that possible? I love that that's the part you're uh, focused on. <laughs> I'm focusing on every detail I can. Yeah. Out of town on Sunday. Stayed a whole night at a hotel. Mm-hmm. And rode back the next day on Sunday. Yeah. I like that if you applied, you're thinking from that previous riddle you referenced. Uh, is that what you're thinking? He stayed a whole K-N-I-G-H-T. That was my first thought. Um, it was like, this has something to do with like leap year where you, you lose a day or something. Um, do you know any leap years we've had where the days, the next day is the same day? I listen, I don't know how leap year works. (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. It's a reach. I'm pretty sure the weeks still are intact in a leap year. It's just, you added a February 29th. (laughs) Uh, It's a reach. (laughs) Yeah. It's a reach. Look, we're I reaching would, this episode a little bit. I would bit, say that's you know? an I- incorrect reach. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in this episode, we compared storming the Capitol to and lie spreading to our profession as, you know, magicians and mentalists. So there's a lot of reaching. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to try it and find a way to talk to, to a topic that could be something we know about. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, no, I commend the reach. I'm just saying we're, we're, you should commend my reach as well. Um, you know, no, my, my you know how I always like to like, you'd be like, Hey Matt, uh, you know, during the week in a leap year, be like, Hey, uh, we should, we should, uh, you know, zoom or call each other on Sunday. Oh, which Sunday <laughs> <laughs> this week, <laughs> you, know, you know, all those multiple Sundays we have. Well, a leap year, I don't know. Maybe there's a thing that I don't... But there's got to, what I'm saying is there's either a leap year thing or like a time zone thing where, you know, he, he, he went over... Yeah, there's got to be like maybe he went into mountain time or Pacific time and then back into central time or something or eastern time. Okay, I see where you're going with this because there is technically a way for you... I think if you're flying, right, you could like cross the international date line and technically travel back in time to the same or, day. Yeah. Or if you're playing Candy Crush and you run out of lives, you can <laughs> go into your settings and change the time and date to 24 hours earlier or later, I forget the trick, and then you get three more lives. Are you aware of this? No, but uh, that is a funny hack. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't change the actual day. You're just changing your phone. Yeah. Um, interesting line of thinking. I think you were closer on the your first track of thinking of thinking about I the like specific how you words. Said this was going to be a quick, easy riddle. Yeah. And this is the one I probably struggle with the most in, in many in, weeks. In, yeah, I know. You've been knocking these out of the park. Uh, but uh, but this is interesting because, uh, yeah, interesting line of thinking. But I, I think you uh, going back to kind of the, uh, the your idea with K-N-I-G-H-T, not that word per se, but... Um, Oh, wait a minute. Are you sure we haven't done this riddle before? We have. The horse's name is Sunday. No, I think you've just heard it before. Yeah, it's a classic riddle. All right. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, the the horse's name is Sunday. There you go. There you go. So a man rode in. That's why it says road, too, which I always thought was the dead giveaway for this riddle. The fact Mm. that it said rode out of town and then rode back into town Mm -hmm. uh, implies that there's a horse because you don't really ride into town 
on a in like a car or anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're driving to town, right? So I mean, I'm not necessarily wrong. It still might be leap year, so it's all good. <laughs> 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 Prove no. that it's not. Come on. Well, Prove well that done. it's not. There's a, you know, a lot of people are saying that it might have been leap year oh, no. <laughs> during this riddle. People well, are saying it. If you look at what people are saying, let's not feed more misinformation <laughs> about leap years, and then we're gonna have people storming the uh, the Gregorian calendar. I just need you to find me some information that it was leap year. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good segue into our next part. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia time. All right, I'm going to reach into the mailbag for this one. No, oh, all right. And if you've got uh, riddles or trivia for us, you can send it to uh, mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be take uh, sought out in the mailbag, <laughs> reach, <laughs> if you want Matt to reach in the mailbag, I don't know. <laughs> if you want to, and also we don't have a mailbag song, so if you want to create a mailbag oh, song, yeah. otherwise it's going to be, we just got a letter, and you don't want to hear us sing that. <laughs> Is that from Blues Clues? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we don't have the rights right. to <laughs> sing the rest of it, so all right. Uh, so big thanks to Rob Belchunas for this uh, submission. All right. I'm he ready. sent multiple, but I'm going to uh, choose one for this week, and maybe I'll save the other for a Great. subsequent week. Did I use that word correctly? Probably subsequent? not. I don't we, know. we don't have facts here. Uh. No facts. <laughs> but if you look into it, it probably was leap year during the <laughs> riddle. Um, which actor turned down the role for Robin? Rob, I'm assuming you mean from Batman, like Batman yeah. and Robin? Yeah. And not just like, it could be Robin Scherbatsky from How I Met Your Mother. No, I can confirm that it's a Batman okay, okay. trivia. Gotcha. Um, which Batman, which which version of Batman are we talking? Are we talking Batman the movie Forever? Ba- Batman Forever, okay. Now, I understand that this is like so foreign to me. Yeah. So I don't even know, what, I didn't even know like what Batman Forever means. Yeah, it's the it's in the Tim Burton universe of Batman, you know, okay. in the '90s. So, which actor turned down the role for Robin? Well, let's see. Kurt, the actor was played by Chris O'Donnell, right? I I don't know. Sure, I think that. Uh, are there options? There are indeed options. I will need the options. A. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Okay, from Home Improvement fame and Lion King fame. B. Chris O'Donnell. I believe he was Robin, so I'm going to ignore that one. C, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. D, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the big star he is now. Uh, Obviously, he would then later in uh, the Nolan universe of Batman, uh, and they kind of imply he's going to take over, although it was never specifically said you know, at the end of those movies where he discovers the Batcave that he's going to, like, become Robin, but it's implied, I believe. Or another version of Batman? I don't know. So I think it's got to be... I don't think JTT would have been eligible. It's got to be Leonardo DiCaprio. That's my final answer. Yeah! Woo! 
Yeah, now I didn't fact check any of this, but no. we're going to go with Rob here. <laughs> Rob, we trust you. He says he and Michael Keaton turned down the movie because they didn't like the director. They didn't like oh. the director's direction. Maybe they just weren't a fan of uh, the director's uh, direction. I'm not even sure who directed that one. but Joel Schumacher. Schumacher. I was going to guess that. but is that Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Perfect. Well done. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if you want to start uh, just feeding misinformation that we obviously won't fact check, you can email <laughs> us <laughs> trivia. <laughs> hey, well. uh, speaking of these movies here, I watched I watched episode six. You did. I did. This is just a couple days ago. Wow. Yeah. For the I... purpose of watching the Family Guy trilogy. Oh, that's the only reason. <laughs> Well, I wanted to complete the trilogy, right. and I did. I did very much enjoy the Family Guys. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of uh, Return of the Jedi? It's too much for me. Too much. It's just too much for me. I, you know, I really, I enjoy sort of the one-on-one battles when it's mm-hmm. like you know Luke and Darth Vader, for example. I enjoy that, but when there are too many ships going around shooting at each other, and I feel exactly the same way. During like the really elaborate fight scenes of Cobra Kai, I feel the same way sitting in a Cirque du Soleil theater. When there's too much going on, I don't even know who's fighting who, and what's. I, it's hard for me to really yeah. get into. It I seems like, like the you more, like the focus. On yeah, I one. love the more intimate mm. focus uh, of of things when it's a little bit more one on one, and a lot of what happens in Star Wars is is more on the grandiose side. I think my favorite was Episode Four. Mm-hmm. For original? me personally, uh, what about you? Out of those three. See, I've always loved Empire. Strikes Back. Yeah. That's the second one. Yeah. The, f- the f- number five, right? Yeah. I just like that, you know, it, it's kind of got a little grittiness to it, and the, the, the heroes don't come out on top, and uh, I think the story is very compelling. And that's actually when they kind of rehashed uh, a lot of the the similar beats in this newer trilogy of uh, 789. Uh, a lot of people were ripping on 8, you know, The Last Jedi because of some certain things. But I, I thought that was my favorite of the new trilogy, too, because it did mirror a lot of the beats from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the uh, all the Ewoks. I like the Ewoks a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, I had a feeling. <laughs> um, not only that, yeah, the Ewoks are like Tiana's favorite. That's why she likes that one. <laughs> I never really put together that Shredder is just Darth Vader. Uh, yeah, yeah. How is there's, nobody talking about this? <laughs> I mean, there's similarities for sure. Uh, if you go into the they were in the same hat. Well, that's uh, inspired by samurai. Uh, that's a lot of uh, you know, George Lucas's inspiration came from you know certain uh, certain villains and you know Japanese uh movies as well, and uh, you know that's why essentially the lightsaber battles are like sword fights as well. In Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original movie. <laughs> he says, I am your father. Shredder says that to the, the foot soldiers in training. Guess which one came out first, though, Matt? I know. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. And that's why I have great respect for Star Wars. I don't have the same nostalgic feeling other people have with it. but That's because you're I just watching them now, yeah. I see crazy influence that it's had on so mm-hmm. many movies, including Ninja Turtles, including Karate Kid. I mean, yeah. it really is... It's interesting. I mean, I see the relation between Yoda and Miyagi and so on. I mean, it really is. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's something else. But even Bebop and Rocksteady, like, there is a character in the Star Wars, the most recent one that I just watched, that, like, it's just the same thing. 
Who are you relating Bebop and Rocksteady to? Uh, the one that just looks exactly like I don't know if it's Bebop or Rocksteady. <laughs> oh, the uh, like the the alien creature that's like kind of uh like those like uh, I don't. Remember. It's it's literally Bebop or Rocksteady. It's one of the two. It's a combination <laughs> of the about. two. And then Ninja Turtles just put them in Ninja Turtles. It's it's the guy that's guarding the uh, the the Rancor, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. not sure, but wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, that threw me for a loop. I can't believe nobody's... T- he says, I am your father, and breathes in between it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> called an illusion. With an Maybe a. it was an homage. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was like that serious. Let's uh, let's reach back into the mailbag uh, for a second. We just gotta let... No, we can't. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but we got, a, we got a message from Bruce here. Uh, he says, Happy New Year, Eric and Matt. As you two are in the business of live public performing, I assume you carry liability insurance. I've been wondering, in the current climate, does your policy cover COVID issues? It seems a volunteer or even an average audience uh, member catching COVID from either you or someone else in the audience is both more likely than tripping over cable and with worse consequences. When you do an occasional live show this past year, are you legally slash financially protected? This might be an interesting discussion topic for the podcast. I agree. Thanks for writing in, Bruce. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Uh, great question. I have to answer it hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- thanks for sending that in, Bruce. I- I'd have to answer it hypothetically because there haven't been occasions where I've done live shows um, right. this yeah. past year. Um, ex- excluding you know, being on a- an actual set where insurance is not on me. When I performed uh, professionally years ago, I always carried some sort of insurance. And a lot of, and you've probably experienced this too, I'm sure you have one, uh, because some venues, colleges and so on require it. Is that right? Right, yeah. I have a, I have a general policy and then like, if, if you need a specific, uh, you know, certification of insurance for a specific venue, you can have them write that up for that specific event as well. I imagine you and I were on the same one for a period of time. I, yeah, probably. And I don't know if you still use that same one. Uh, K&K Insurance. I, I think believe. it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that is what it was called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anywho, so I've always had something. And then as, as, as I came to Vegas and things progressed, it's, it's gone into more professional hands that know how to handle that stuff. So I feel like we, we now have insurance for just about everything and anything that could happen that is set up through my business manager's office. And frankly, I don't know the specifics on all of it. And, but if there was an instance, uh, I, I think also, I don't even know the answer as to whether or not it, it, it falls under the blanket of the hotel and the casino or my own, but I feel like there is contingency after contingency for having insurance that covers things, uh, in, in the current situation. And I don't, I don't know the specifics of it myself. What do you, what do you think? Right, yeah, I would imagine for you, yeah, the link would cover most of your end of things. But but um, like I said, we have like backup after backup yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, kind of yeah. just to make sure everything is mm-hmm. everything's buttoned up. Right, that we have a team of people that that look over that specifically. Yeah, for me, um, I only did a handful of uh, in-person shows during this pandemic. Uh, very, very few, and they were all kind of. Uh, I mean, everyone was still figuring out this whole COVID thing at the time, too. And I think uh, basically the policy I was on just was like a general policy. So I don't think it even addressed, but I think it was still technically like 
covered because it was if anything happens pretty much you know it, uh the policy covered it um i'm sure if i you know renew for this year uh there's probably going to be more specific wording towards that uh i haven't looked into that yet at the moment uh, because I don't plan on doing a whole lot of live shows until uh, things get safe again. It's going to be interesting once the vaccine's out and, you know, we start, the country starts opening up again, uh, whenever that will be, to look into that policy, too, um, to see what is covered and what is not. But um, but right now, I think a lot of it just became the liability of the venue, like kind of like with you, like the link is covering things. So if I was brought in as a contractor, I think, uh, you know, it kind of absol- not necessarily absolved me, but, uh, you know, they, they have their own insurance that covers it with the school or the client or whatever. Uh, but it's a, it's an interesting question for sure. And I should probably yeah, look more into it. Yeah. We're, we're not do more lawyers. Live shows. Don't, don't quote us on any of this. <laughs> um, yeah. But the other interesting thing, too, and, and I imagine we, we live in a fairly litigious society where I imagine lawsuits will come out for, for various different businesses and things. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting to see whether or not anything like that would hold up. And I, I'm not referring to theater. I'm Anything where, like, someone is trying to, like, trace back and prove that they contracted COVID in a specific place due to some sort of negligence. It, it would be a kind of a – now, look, I wouldn't put it past – uh, there will be attempts, I think, for different yeah. businesses and things. But that'd be kind of a tough – would that not be a tough battle? Well, I was thinking the same thing, too, because there's a lot of ownership on the individual because of, like, you you got to be wearing a mask. You got to be socially distanced. So, you know, part of that is if you're going to be attending these events is to know that you got to follow those guidelines and to prove that, you know – you had the mask on the whole time and socially distanced. There's no guarantee, even from the top doctors, that you still won't get COVID using those precautions. So, Contact tracing has proven to be rather difficult, too. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, right. It, and and I, I imagine negligence would need to be blatant on behalf of the business. And Absolutely. That I think that really is the best course of action is not just to be covered insurance wise, but to, to really, if, if you are running a business during this crazy time, is to make sure that you're exceeding expectations. Right. I think that's the key. And, you know, like I said, the few in-person shows I did do, they had the, the, the venue had its own policies and protections. And I had additional, you know, safety measures that I I needed to feel comfortable in order to do these as well. So I think between the two you know, we're being as safe as possible when, when we did those. And I think people kind of assume even just coming to the show too, that this is a crazy time and there's going to be some risk involved. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, those goalposts kept moving too. So I think the time of just knowing your state's uh, precautions and mandates and, and guidelines, if you're following those, I think, uh, I think that's the, that's the way to go. Count me in. Yeah, I was waiting. I was trying to see what you were leading in to say. <laughs> I think it's that time we uh, check out our goals, though, Matt. Uh, your favorite segment that you I remind you you introduced. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, you uh, you wanted to make some progress on some books, and I wanted to unpack. I will say I did unpack a lot. I've been doing a lot of do DIY uh, constructions of some furniture pieces that I was missing. Uh, my apartment's getting more and more um, tiny as I add more and more furniture. Uh, but I just uh, put together 
uh, an over the toilet bathroom stand uh, to to have more storage. Very common in New York uh, to make the most of your space by uh, you know building upward, which is just a metaphor for the city. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have enough space in Lower Manhattan. Uh, let's build a skyscraper. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, when I put up a, a second desk, so I have my studio desk where we're recording this from, uh, but I have a desk where I can actually do some work on and do like, uh, you know, writing and uh, crafts that are so important to uh, my profession. So I'm, I'm thrilled to, to finally get there and I've only have like one last area of uh, cluttered boxes to get through and I should be... Uh, once I figure out where all that stuff is going to go, uh, should be pretty much unpacked. And I'm super pumped for that. So uh, congrats. Yeah. And uh, and that's like one of my little hidden talents, I guess. You've noticed you've noted this on uh, uh, this before of the, the, the handy handyman stuff that I do always surprises you. <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> I can't do any of it. I just like following uh, like IKEA instructions. Let's be honest; it's a very it's like adult Legos for me. So <laughs> I always loved <laughs> Legos as a kid, and uh, to follow some uh, step by steps, uh, I, I enjoy it. It's uh, calming. I have a bookshelf I'm gonna do later today. So yeah, I don't know if it's a correlation, but I was not a Lego guy. So no, well, there, there you go. go. Lincoln Logs, Playmobil, no Lincoln Logs. anything? <laughs> no, but if you want a Rector set. If you want your children to be handy, get them some Legos. Yeah, I, I, or just like follow instructions. <laughs> there you go. Uh, where I'm at with the books, uh, good, actually. Good progress in thinking fast and slow. Loving the book. In fact, I find this happens all the time. When a book that I'm reading that I enjoy references other books, I go back and sometimes get the source material. So oh, I, yeah. already, I already mentioned, uh, I think it was called Strangers to Ourselves, was actually referenced in Thinking Fast and Slow, so I had to pick it up. And that's go. not the first time this happened from this, but this is the second one book that was referenced that I actually said, okay, I have to get it. The other one was The Gorilla Experiment. That might not be the name of the book, but it's a whole book about I know the exactly created, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, that created the famous and amazing Gorilla Experiment. And I just feel like that would mm-hmm. be pretty mm-hmm. awesome for anyone interested in psychology, especially a magician to read. So yeah, it definitely deals with uh, focus of attention, which is huge in our uh, industry. For sure. And I love that. That's my favorite part about, uh, uh, you know, my library is I have a lot of the books that are referenced in other books. So if I do need to check them out, I'll go. And if I don't have it, I'll usually pick it up for my library. And I that happens all the time with the magic books that I read, too. It's like, oh, this is referencing that. I should probably get that book as well. Totally. That Yeah, that's that's what happens here. So good progress with the books. Uh, looking forward to the week ahead in about a week from now. So I don't know what I'll be able to say about this next time we record, but uh, we're going to be revamping the marketing for mm. when we do reopen at some point, you know, in 2021. So uh, we're going to hit the ground running on that at some point about a week from now. So there might not be a whole bunch of progress by the next time we chat, but I'm excited to get a photo shoot on the book, start kind of getting the creative a little bit more refined from where it is now. So that's exciting too. But this is, look, this has been an, an amazing start to our 2021 of the podcast thank you everybody for for listening and hanging in there with us during crazy times yeah we love getting together to chat so we love having you here with us yeah uh and going forward for me i'm just gonna finish unpacking i've got a stack of books now that i've just been putting aside like once i'm got clear headspace i can crack open these books to get through that and i'm still working on one person shows so if you have recommendations let me know 
Uh, I have a little playlist that I'm slowly working through there as well. But uh, again, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to listen. As Matt said, uh, we do appreciate you listening to us. If you do want to email us, it's mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials at mindmagicpod. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, tell a friend. You know, uh, we're, we're still uh, looking for all the things that podcasts ask you to do write a review it always helps uh or just be like hey these guys are are talking crazy let's let's hear these guys political takes on the current subject matters going at hand i don't know why but uh maybe maybe you got something out of that too uh you could pass that along to a friend and just be like hey check out this podcast it's really fun because we we have fun just uh chatting and we love hearing from you so uh thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next week (laughs) 